Welcome everyone to the Every Other Thursday podcast, where in each episode we bring you suggestions for improving the guest dining experience and our industry roundtable, where we tackle the industry issues of the moment. Every Other Thursday is an approximately 30-minute presentation featuring our industry experts who are never shy about offering up their thoughts and ideas. Every Other Thursday is brought to you by TabletopJournal.com. Tabletop Journal, where we celebrate the products, the people, and the places in the world of hospitality tabletop. Now, here's your host of Every Other Thursday, Dave Turner. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Every Other Thursday. I'm Dave Turner, and as you know by now, I'm your host here at Every Other Thursday. And as we always do, we've got my colleagues, Jay Alley and Greg Kiris here with me, all for your listening pleasure. Hey, guys, how are you today? Happy day. Great. Happy day. Happy day. Another one. This is like day 58, you know, whatever the day is here in Corona lockdown, right? Yep. Here on Every Other Thursday, our podcast, we talk about the major topics of the day, as everybody knows. And lately, it's all been about COVID-19 and the coronavirus. It's a fast-moving topic that keeps changing. And every time we get back together again, guys, for another one of these episodes, there's always so much different to talk about. And today, I want to focus this discussion on what seems to be the whole world pivoting to reopening. Now, I know it's everybody's in different phases of it. In our other podcast, Seat Yourself, we've talked with different people around the uh, different countries, but everybody is talking about and moving towards a reopening process. And while we've talked about the other side and what it might look like, today I want to be talking about more specifically what some of the transition will actually be. But first of all, we need to get some of the business out of the way. As most of you know by now, every other Thursday is our 30 Minutes or So podcast where we bring you all the things needed to be talked about in the world of hospitality and food service. And of course, this week's episode of Every Other Thursday brought to you again by Tabletop Journal. Tabletop Journal is where we celebrate the products, the people, and the places all in the world of hospitality tabletop. So gentlemen, let's get started. Are we ready to start talking about the idea of reopening? Absolutely. Greg, you were you and I talked about just before we went on air here. You, you've been out walking around and scouting things out in your neighborhood. Tell us what you see. Okay, I, of course, I can only speak to what's going on in the north part of the Chicago metro area because uh, I'm not traveling much, be, much beyond that. But Total lockdown out there in Chicago. <laughs> right, right. What I'm saying here is what we've been talking about for weeks now is the reaction of operators, obviously, to the pandemic. Some, as we've been talking about, took quick action. Others didn't. And as time has gone by, it seems to have solidified. So the people that didn't take action, I'm seeing in my area, are still not. So either they're out of business or paralyzed or they just don't know how. Or they're on the other end where they jumped out, had nice signage put together, easels, changed their website, all that kind of thing to generate sales through takeout and delivery. And from what I'm seeing, I'm seeing people drive up. I'm seeing them do curbside pickup. I'm seeing people, I see delivery guys around from those restaurants. So it seems like, again, things have solidified in, in two different camps. Either you're doing all the things, and this, this, as we keep on saying, the small things that all add up to an important impact, or 
You're not doing anything. Do you think, I have a quick question on that. Do you think that, that whatever you've been doing, whatever your message has been in this, in this, I don't know, six, eight, 10 week period, whatever it's going to end up being, do you think that that message is going to continue on that? That message is the message coming out of this, that if I've been locked down, shut my doors and just basically out of business, whether, whether it's been an actual or perceived versus active and lots of customers and, you know, promotional things and carry out and all that. Do you think that brand messaging will continue as we reopen? It looks from my, again, my small universe, that's what it looks like. It hasn't changed. I don't see it. I don't see it changing. Maybe people are, are just, you know, locked down and hoping that one, you know, things are going to all of a sudden reopen here in the Chicago area. And then you're on the way back to a normal. Maybe that's the thought process. Let me ask you this question. Dave, you, you said it a lot that there'd be a lot of, of restaurants, suppliers. I mean, everything in our in our universe, there's going to be some people that don't make it. But Correct. harsh as it might sound, and I'm certainly sympathetic to anybody who's in a tough situation, obviously. But, I mean, if some of these people that run restaurants, is it some restaurants, are they open because the restaurant business was on a red line? The last three or four years in this industry have been full throttle. I mean, who's, you know, we've all seen more openings. And should some of those people never even been in the restaurant business? Because I, I'll tell you what, I'll give you an example of that. Yesterday or the day before, Sandy and I said, let's get some food because we hadn't done it since this all started. I think I got one pizza. I went and got it. So you haven't been supporting your local restaurants? No, not really. I mean, we have. I mean, we, we, I'll tell you, the one we support the most is Royal Farms because they got the they got better fried chicken than Kentucky Fried Chicken. I never thought of having. I mean, I oh, that's another whole that's another whole podcast right there. Sea stores eating into a traditional restaurant. So anyway, what, we called a couple restaurants, and two of them, my son-in-law and my daughter, frequented. So one was closed, and one wasn't. And they're within five six hundred yards of one another, across the street, right? So. The one that opened, we know, does good stuff. So we thought, great, 6 o'clock, we placed the order. Sandy places it online. She gets a message back. Guess what it said? Your order will be ready for pickup at 7.55. I said, it's taking two hours to get four little containers of Chinese food? And when I went there, I thought, there's going to be cars lined up all over the place here. Well, there wasn't. There was two or three person went in, came out. Two people went in, came out. Sandy went in, came out. But... I mean, I can understand the kitchen might have a shorter staff, but they were open and doing business. And then, so I don't know. I mean, I think that, I think what's going to happen in our business, those people who have found a way, who refused to lay down, did the things that Greg and I both have talked about, put a sign out, let people know, change the website. I mean, if all you're going to do is sit there and cover up, you're going to get run over, you know? I mean, and maybe some people are just not capable of doing it. I don't know. I never owned a restaurant, so I'm not trying to be overly critical. But if you're not telling me that you're there, you're not telling me that you're open and you give me more details about it. What am I supposed to do? And I think that the thing that Dave talks about all the time is when, when this, we come out of this, we're going to go to the places that we trust are going to be better run, cleaner, whatever. But even those people are going to have to tell that story even more. They're going to have to sell that side of their business, I think, harder than they sell the food side. You know, we're going there already because we know you got good food. Now show us what you're going to do to, to keep all of us in a better position health-wise. Well, we can go on probably with example after example. But in my case, literally one block from each other, there's a fine dining restaurant. There's a fast casual restaurant. The fast casual guy, he jumped on this immediately. Yep. Signs in the window, big banner, changed his website, 
easel out in front of the operation, and I've seen people pull up. He personally brings it out to the car and thanks them for supporting his business. The fine dining place down the street, and I this is not I'm not slamming them at all. You know, they gotta do what they're doing, and but I just noticed a difference. I walk by the place. You can't tell it's open. There's no sign. There's no banner. There's no communication at all. The reason I know that they have carry out is because here in my neighborhood, some of the uh, neighbors have an email stream that we pass around and somebody mentioned it. Go to their website. Sure enough, they have a fine dining package to take to take out. They're giving coupons for future payments. But I mean, why on earth would they not promote that it sounds great well, either, either they don't have any money or they don't have the expertise or maybe both i don't know well i i think a lot of times it comes really down to the imagination and the, and the creative thinking of it we had bunny johnson on one of our first on the front line series in our other podcast and bunny johnson is a i always call her a pro of manufacturer sales rep she's in the dc area and she talked about a customer of hers who wasn't in the kitchen at all on his restaurant now had put a table out in front of the restaurant and was doing exactly what Greg just said, handing the, the bags to people, shaking their hand, and he was signing the bags. He was creating a connection between him and the customer base who's coming in while his restaurant is shut down and just doing carry out and takeaway. And I think those kinds of brand messaging or that connecting with your customers, I think really is invaluable. And I, do, and I actually think that you can not only survive, but you can get set yourself up to thrive once the doors finally start back opening up. But one thing that you've got to do is you've got to think, I think the optics of when you first open up are going to create every, that first impression when people tiptoe back in to come and eat in your restaurant, boy, they're going to be noticing everything. I think it, for me, and I've said this to a lot of people, the analogy is right after 9-11, the first flight we all took mm -hmm. after the 9-11, the planes crashed into buildings, the first couple of flights you took, you were wary of everything in the plane who was sitting where, what the approach was, and everybody was looking at each other and, 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 you know, whatever, making all kinds of assessments and judgments whether it was going to be safe or not. And I think the same kind of uh, feeling will happen as we walk back into restaurants. Yep. You know, brings up a wider discussion, you know, like what's going on with the restaurants opening up in Georgia, for example. You know, there's a lot of restaurant tours that I'm reading about that are not going to reopen because they just say it's just too early for them to, for their operations. And, and then there's guidelines I read that they're either proposing or instituted in Texas to reopen. And the thing that strikes me is that there's a lot of costs involved with this early reopening. Yep. I've read the Texas guidelines where all utensils have to be sanitized, placemats, you know, of course, dishes, surfaces, well beyond anything that's been done before. After every serving, the dining room has to be totally sanitized after after every use, et cetera, et cetera. So the question, there's a couple of questions. One is this kind of uh, more, the more softer side is what does that feel like to guests when they come in there? And then the other is, well, the, well given all the costs involved with that kind of sanitation, and the and the small volume that you're going to be doing because people have to be seated so far apart is it even worth for you to reopen at this time or just wait longer i think that's why you're going to see and you can you can find predictions all over the place the answer is nobody really knows but you can guess that it's going to be between 20 and 40% of the restaurant units in the united states are going to disappear permanently 
Now, will there be more opening up? Of course. But I mean, there'll be less restaurants. And I think that the, whatever the seating capacity arrangements will be for each turn in the dining room, I think they'll be full. There's going to be such a pent-up demand. It's Let's do this. Uh, a restaurant business published a list of protocols, best practices, if you will, the other day. And I want to get out through them. I'll just read down through each of them and then we can talk about are there additional protocols that you might expect or would you like to see and how, how they will. Their first one was making a pre-shift. And that means every shift, a pre-shift health check of every employee. Greg, to your point, there's a cost associated with that. Next one, certifying every staff member in food safety and a certified manager on duty for each shift. Well, that's not going to be free either. Third one, either using disposable utensils, placemats, condiment packages, and menus, or sanitizing these, these items after every use. The big cost there. Yep. Number four, making hand sanitizer available to all employees and sanitizing a dining setting after every use. Number five, cleaning and sanitizing all surfaces. Now, it doesn't say with what, you know, frequency or whatever, but you can imagine it's a continual effort. So you're going to have, you're going to have to hire a sanitizer all the time. Observing health officials' social distancing recommendations. Greg, that's the, when your point, to your point about pushing the tables back, having half as many tables, whatever it's going to be, it's going to be tough in the short term to be profitable if you're a restaurateur. So that, I mean, that's a start, but uh, there's more. You know, so, I mean, it'd be a tough decision as an operator. And, but I just, what I would urge everybody to do is I, I think that for a lot of people, the feeling would probably be as, let's just open our doors as fast as we can. Let's get people in here. Well, I, I would urge people to really sharpen their pencil and think about what are the costs because they could put themselves deeper in the hole by actually opening so all these added, all these added costs, and heaven forbid if anybody gets sick by for somebody not doing it, you know. Well, yeah, and and I think the the issue in Georgia, for instance, okay, the governor can open things up, but number one, the restaurateurs don't have to open their restaurant. There's nobody forcing them to open their restaurant, and number two, this is the bigger one: consumers, nobody's forcing them out of their house to go, and and they have to go to restaurants. So I think that if you go through all these costly protocols, which we're talking about here, what if nobody shows up? Will people show up? Well, I think I think people will show up, and I think the list that you went down is at least. I mean, I've never run a restaurant. You guys are both closer to that kind of thing than I am, but. I don't think you're going to have to have a certified person standing in the, in the, in the dining room looking around, making sure nobody dropped a piece of bread on the floor. So I, I think it may be just, I just think, on a, first of all, how much of this stuff now becomes an awareness that wasn't an awareness before. I think a, a real topic would be even some of the best restaurants we've ever been in in the country. What were the real operational protocol? I mean, everybody should have always been concerned about sanitation. You don't, I mean, just coming to the table and wiping the table down with a damp rag doesn't sanitize the table. So now you might have to put up with a slight aroma, whether it's alcohol or Clorox. Okay, you come and you clean it, you do that. I mean, washing the dishes, you got to wash them. So a protocol comes in there where, okay, maybe you have to change this. Every time you do a dishwashing cycle, you have the person doing it has to change the gloves that he used or she used for loading the dishwashers and stuff for that cycle. Maybe the people putting the flatware in the condom bags. How are you going to serve it with covered plates? What are you going to do for bread and butter service? All of those things. But but I I honestly think, again, necessity is the mother of invention. I think you're going to see some super creative ways. I think the industry will rise to the occasion. And it, like Dave, to Dave's point and your point, it will all be how much confidence will the public have that they're okay? And you know, I think if you really look at the numbers, how much flu and even 
the Corona thing today, one of the things that was on TV that I never thought about it because you don't think about it, but they're going, well, the death rate, there's some encouraging news on, on the death rates. Well, how the heck can you have encouraging news? Cause people die. I mean, I'm like, they didn't mean to say it that way. Neither do I. If you're one of the, if you're one of the, the statistics, one of the death rate, it's not very encouraging. Yeah, but you're not going to hear the criticism. So it's not, not a big deal for you. But, but the point they were trying to make is the number of tragedies, as we know, compared to the number of people that we know had the virus. Now they're saying there is a whole lot more people that had this, didn't know they had it, came through it, that didn't even really show symptoms. Then you have the ones that have had it and have come through it. So they add all that up. They, they still have no idea what that big number is. But you take that big number and compare it to the number of lives that were lost. Every single life was a tragedy. One's too many, as the president says. But if you think about that, I mean, I, I think we've got to be a little careful not to be I mean, you guys haven't been sick. I haven't been sick. My wife hasn't been sick. Nobody in my family's been sick. We're all doing what we should do. We're washing our hands. Now we wear our mask. I wasn't wearing a mask at all up to a week ago. So I'm not trying to diminish the seriousness of it, but I, I think we've got to be really careful not to just go crazy. I do agree with Greg 100%, though. People, wherever they're at, wherever their restaurant's located, you got to assess your particular situation. Like I'd be, I would be very cautious about going to a restaurant in New York City on the front side. Got to be careful. Well, and, and this is probably for one of our next episodes, but now there's a lot of opportunities because perception is going to be really important. So there's a lot of opportunities with tabletop products that are going to give important perception of hygiene, cleanliness, sanitation, covers, and, and even like linens, you know, changing linens and paper mats. And all these things, again, get, will, will be important for the guests' perception of, of the operation. But as we mentioned earlier, there is a cost to them. Great. I want to take a break right now, a quick break here. And when we come back, gentlemen, I want to talk about what the go forward looks like. Things like a buffet's dead. And is takeout here to stay at no matter what level of restaurant it is? I mean, the, a lot of people have gotten very good at just takeout and carry home stuff, the picking up the bags like you were talking about, Greg, earlier. Is that here to stay no matter what type of restaurant you have? And the other uh, flip side of that is if are things like buffet, are they gone? Are they just gone? We'll talk about all that right in a minute. We'll be back to you. This episode of Every Other Thursday is brought to you by TabletopJournal.com. For more than eight years, Tabletop Journal has been raising the awareness of just how important Tabletop is to the overall guest dining experience. Using the hashtag Tabletop Matters, Tabletop Journals connected the kindred spirits of the hospitality world all around the globe. TabletopJournal.com, where we celebrate the products, the people, and the places all in the world of hospitality tabletop. Now, back to our podcast. Okay, welcome back, everybody, to Every Other Thursday. I'm Dave. I'm here with Greg and Jay. And guys, we were having a great conversation a minute ago and talking about some of the protocols and the costs associated with it. For the rest of this segment, I want to talk a little bit about what the go forward's like. Things like, and the one, two I mentioned before we went took a break was, are buffets dead? Number one, and what's the future of carry out and takeaway? Is it going to look different? Is it going to be the same? Are we going to, is it going to sort of fade into the background? Greg, uh, you're a guy that's been uh, weighing in a lot on some of the practices you've seen in your neighborhood, in your area. What do you think? Well, from a personal perspective, I hope that buffets aren't dead, but, you know, I guess looking at it objectively, you know, they've taken a big hit, and I don't know how they're going to come back for at least for a, for a long while. And it's a shame. I don't know how to make them any more 
safe and even the perception of safety. I mean, that's really a lot of it. I wonder how many people actually got can get sick with you know with all the sneeze guards and you know and, and if you if the operator does it correctly. I wonder if if there's really that much danger. But what is the perception of it? You know, and even just like you can say that. Uh, Grocery stores are very much food service operators. People go in for lunch, you know, there's no salad bar now. And even like the olive bars in the, in the upscale grocery stores around here, they've taken those away. How many people actually got, can get, got sick from that? I just don't know. Jay, you used the word uh, earlier, confidence, consumer confidence, guest confidence. How do you portray confidence in a buffet type setting where you're going up and replenishing your food yourself? Great question, because I don't, I don't think you can, when this thing started, I think everybody, if you asked a, to a person, would have said, if you're in a buffet business, you're a dead duck. And I've thought about it a little bit. Greg, I, I, I think you should have a private conversation with Dave why he said weigh in on the buffet service. I don't know if that was. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he said weigh in and then he attached it to you. So I, I sympathize with you, Greg. I think we have a rebellion against our fearless leader. But <laughs> to answer your question, I thought about it a lot. I think you're going to have to take a page a little bit out of the military book. When you're in the military, you really didn't serve yourself. I mean, you went through the line with your tray and with your utensils and you went down the way. And then the guys behind the line put the food on your plate. And if you wanted a little bit more, you could ask for more. They always gave it to you. No problem. So I think that there's ways that the big high quality buffets, like the guys in Vegas and places like that, I mean, serious stuff. Some of the ones that I won't mention any names scare the hell out of me because you see the food on TV that they supposedly serve. Yeah, not, not this week. I mean, not good. But think about it. First of all, so many buffets that I've been to, the sneeze guard's way too high. I mean, the sneeze guard's up here. If you cough, I don't think it does much. So you could lower sneeze guards, make them bigger. And by simply putting people at every two or three food pans or salad bowls or whatever and have them wearing their gloves and you're not touching the utensil that's serving it on your plate, I think you could present something that would really reinforce trust and that you're doing it as carefully as possible. But it's going to be more costly because now I think one person, you probably could handle three food pans. It's in, what, this much distance. But I think that's probably one of the only ways. I think the days of you serving yourself, that's going to be really hard. That's going to be a hard comeback. Yeah, I think this whole issue of buffets, buffet, we're becoming such a big part. And we, we focus, obviously, uh, on hospitality, tabletop. But buffets have become, had crept in and become such a big part. I always told people, tabletop people became, you know, been creeping for a long time into buffetware. And buffetware people are creeping into tabletop. So they're sort of blending together. So maybe what we ought to do is plan a special segment just on the future of buffets and what that will be. But I, I think it's the, the jury's still out. And I, I, the whole issue of customer confidence and the optics of it as much as anything else. Because I don't think we're ever going to know how many people either get sick or got sick from a buffet or didn't get sick from, you know, maybe it's zero. I, I have no idea. But on the other hand, the optics of things when we start up for the first three to six months are going to be really important. Well, I, I bring up my example again about olive bars. And I know just probably enough about science to make myself dangerous. But there, you, I really got a question. I think the optics they had to get rid of these olive bars because that's what to make it look good for you know for, for your guests and your customers on the other hand i don't think i think that you know the acid environment of, of olives and those type of products don't even support any kind of, of virus or bacterial growth so i mean the science of it would support that there's no there's not perhaps not much reason to remove it but like you're saying 
And I get it. Is the optics do the customer can use it? Are there certain types of messaging in in the in the restaurants themselves on the table with tabletop cards, tent cards, kind of thing? Is there any messaging that that can help overcome some of that stuff? Yeah, tell them what you're doing. Tell them what you're doing to pre- to prevent a problem. That's a great idea. But on every table, you got the protocol right in front of the, the guests, so they you know here's what we're doing. Where you can't see us behind in the kitchen. You know, you can't write a book, but you can certainly put some bullet points that would make you feel better. We're spending a little bit of time on buffets here, and certainly that's uh, an area that's worthy of uh, discussion. But when I look at things like just something as simple as paying my bill, how many different things do I touch when I pay my bill? No more cash through all credit cards. Well, I don't know. You know, I mean, I, I just think these things are all issues. And, you know, what happens when I come in and I'm waiting to be seated? How many of us have stood at a hostess stand, you know, crowded, you know, bumping shoulders with with people who are also waiting? And what's going to happen? Those kinds of protocols, those are, those are small things. You're going to wait in your car. Yeah, they're going to have somebody outside probably that's communicating with the inside. And you pull up and you roll down your window. How many? Party of four. Here's your here's your beeper. And you're not gonna you're not gonna give me one of those beepers where I hold on where everybody on everybody in town has been holding it before I got it, huh? Well, that's well. Yeah, you can sanitize that with just a you know you can spray that with Lysol. That, I don't think that, but I think some things like that will take place. I mean, yeah. I mean, the real issue. Greg and I were talking about it when you. I mean, I mean the you know the flatware thing. I mean. You're going to have to sanitize and put them in bags. How's the food coming to the table? You're going to serve it in a cloche or maybe a, a very inexpensive plastic cover that you can throw every one of those away because they can be recycled. What are you going to do about butter? You're going to put a traditionally old butter dish on a table with a cover on it. Are your servers going to have to wear gloves? Probably for a while. And that brings up another issue. How are you going to get work? What about masks? Are you going to have servers wearing masks? Do servers want to wear masks? They had pictures this morning on TV in some of Wolfgang's places where the guys preparing them to go food were wearing gloves and masks. So I think, yeah, and I think you'll see people create really cute ones, table to the tabletop industry. I mean, you could create some really cute masks. And yeah, yeah. You're going to see any Stozel sponsored masks with the Stozel logos on it? No, straws. Straws that can go through the hole on your mask. There you go. What about takeaway? What about carry out and takeaway? How do you see that unfolding? Is it going to stay around? Is it going to be bigger than ever, you know, from three-star Michelin on down? Or is there a certain segment where it's it's really kind of going to fade, fade to the background? What I'm seeing is that and from my experience in the past, people operate on habit. So if they're in a habit now of taking out, that will at least continue a while into the future. And all of a sudden, you know, people feel, hey, this this works. I'm not having to sit back and pay a tip. It's more cost effective. It was a great sampling thing where, where oh, I know this restaurant. The takeout was great. I'm going to keep on doing it. The one thing that's missing is that humans, and that's a big part, like in, interaction. And that was a big part of the hospitality industry is that people want to be with other people. But I do see that carry out, take out, is made big inroads and people aren't gonna are gonna keep on doing it. Yeah, how how is that affected by the delivery aspect of the takeout? We take we think about takeout and you know, we're talking about the same thing where either you go get it or do we want delivery of that product to your home in the same in the same vein. I see a lot of uh, family style meals being offered menus, uh, very what I would call meal type menus being offered whole whole menu so that you can go and pick up. Do you think that's going to continue? I think so. Yeah, it, it, I think it's going to continue. Now, you know, how long into the future will this? It really depend. I, I think largely upon how the operators react. Are they going to keep on pushing that going into the future? Is it 
cost effective for them. But if it is, and, and operators do it, I think that there is momentum, and you know, obviously built up here, and that will continue. Remember years ago when somebody, when you could hire a chef to come in and cook a meal for your party of six, eight, ten. That might that might there might be a resurgence in that in the affluent areas of the country. I think when you've got a well-known, well-respected, uh, long-term title, a restaurant in a in a region, maybe there's a celebrity chef involved, maybe not. You mentioned Wolfgang Puck uh, earlier, uh, I think, Jay. Do you think Spago's going to be selling meals to take home and ha- have a box, go pick up bags or a box of a... F- I think he already does. No, but will he, will he continue to do that in a big way? And will that kind of practice proliferate uh, across the, a wide variety of restaurants? I think the answer is that, yeah, it will if it's profitable. and If, if the demand's there. Yeah, if they do it in a way that actually supports their brand, it doesn't tear down their brand. Yeah. I know in in uh, our particular region of the world, we've got a uh, a chain, a barbecue chain called Mission Barbecue, and Mission Barbecue puts out a great product, and they they're making meals and they're and they're they're delivering it themselves, which is different than using Uber Eats or Grubhub or DoorDash or any of that, and they're offering free delivery. It's not an inexpensive product, but it's a great quality product. And I think as they build up that trust, uh, and they have for a long time, I, I think it's carrying over through this time too. So I, I, I personally think that's going to continue. And as, as you guys both say, if it's profitable, yeah, they'll have separate menus for that. Well, to your, to your issue, I've, I've heard now in the last two weeks, several times on television where the operator was talking to people and they're buying their own vehicles, which I think is a big thing to, to establish that truck correctly. Like I said to you guys a long time ago, I've never ordered stuff other than the pizza to be delivered by anybody. And this last time we went and got it ourselves. But if a guy like Wolfgang Puck has his own trucks and he's, and they sell that sanitation service deal, where we don't go to Evil Breeze. We're driving our own trucks. I, I don't recall who did the survey, but they surveyed, uh, it might have been Cisco for all I'm a matter of, but they surveyed drivers, food delivery drivers from the various brands, and I won't mention any of them in this context because I don't want to uh, focus on any one of them, but 28% of the people had sampled the food on the way to deliver it. 28%. So, so if you ordered a burger and fries. You lost a few fries. You lost a few fries. Chicken wing. You lost a chicken wing. Yeah, and that was it. Wasn't that you and I talked about that? It wasn't the survey of a thousand people. Not, yeah, I mean, it wasn't a small survey. Yeah, but only twenty eight percent of the people responded. I mean, think about that. It's probably even higher than that. Yeah, that's why I think that I think the companies are going to afford their own delivery vehicles, and maybe maybe they contract with someone who only works for them. But that could be. And I don't want to get into a conversation about the food delivery, but there's a lot of costs associated for the operator to get involved in the food delivery, and, and everybody's been trying to figure that one out anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now you have the additional issue of customer confidence, the confidence that the product is coming to me and is going to be the quality of that product is not going to be uh, uh, compromised. Well, the pizza guys, the first guys that really led that charge, because now I know if it's Domino's or whoever it is, but they got their own trucks, the small little panel trucks, and they got heated heating systems that you can get to. You just open the door on the side of the truck, but that's all a heated system. So the food is delivered to you at the proper temperature. It doesn't cool off or it's pretty cool. Yeah. 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 I think the, the issues of buffets is, is a big one for operators just in general, and maybe not at the ultra high end or whatever, the white tablecloth end, but certainly in fast casual. And the, I mean, I even think people like Chipotle, 
where you go through the assembly line process. I think that's going to be an issue and people are going to, they, they're going to have to have good optics as the customers go through that line if they're going to continue. I mean, you think about a Chipotle. When they, well, last time I was at Chipotle, before all this started, the line was out the door at lunchtime and all that and people are jammed in together. That's not going to happen right away. They're not going to allow. That was a $700 stock, wasn't it? A few, um, six, eight months ago. It's crazy expensive. Yeah. Let me ask you guys a question. What will happen to people like Fago de Chao, the Brazilian steakhouse? What do you think? I don't know. I mean, that's a that's a real interesting. That's going to take some thought because you got the people slicing the meat which at the table, which I think is okay, but then all of the other stuff you go get yourself, which is not a covered buffet, but they, and that, those are expensive and they got fabulous food on those things. I mean, it's all gourmet. Let me avoid that question just for a second and throw a, a long ball down to the end of the field and say. How long is it before we forget all this nonsense and go back to almost exactly the way we were? Will we ever go back? I know it seems right now hard to believe that we would, but... We may go halfway back, 70%. I don't think we'll ever go all the way back because we really shouldn't. I mean, you know, Sandy and I were driving through a drive-in and we saw someone pick a piece of product up off the floor and put it back in the to-go bag. (laughs) Hey, it's profit, Yeah, I think people being people... I think that you know a lot of this will diminish over time, but I think, like as Jay is saying, it won't go back to zero where where it was. And so, what is that? What is that differential? I I don't know. Is it twenty percent? Of and and what what are the practices? I'm not really I'm really sure. I mean, it's it's it's, it's everything. Obviously, is is evolving. Do, it, do all of us think that we didn't catch the flu in some sort of a food service environment over all these years that the flu has been horrible? I mean, how many hundreds and millions of people get the flu every year? How do you get that? If and when they dis- discover a vaccine for coronavirus or COVID-19, if and when they find a vaccine for that, does that mitigate everything and we all go back to normal? Still, It's a game changer, but I don't think it'll mitigate all of you. You still need to practice better sanitary conditions than I think the industry does as a whole. There's some really good and there's some that are really not good. So you think like after 9-11, where TSA came in and started basically uh, frisking everybody before you could get on a plane, that it's that kind of thing it's going to stay with us? Well, yeah, but TSA stuff is is gotten more electronic. And I mean, that you don't, you don't get that invasion by a human being anymore. It's a lot more pleasant. So I think you'll see. St- I, I don't think it'll ever come back. It shouldn't really, in my opinion. I think it'll, I think it'll come back 80, 85 percent, you know, maybe, maybe more. A little less. I don't know. What, what do you think, Greg? You're- I, again, it's people. Their memories diminish. It goes. Things go back. But I don't know what the fallback position is. I just don't know because you got issues of liability and all these things. You know, operators have to protect themselves, and and they have to institute show that they're instituting certain practices that are now going to be elevated. Just to the point. How many how many times of of the three of us? Over the course of our lives, you never really thought about it, but how many times did you sit down in a restaurant of almost any level of service and had to send back a piece of utensils because they weren't clean? Whether it was water spotted or finger spotted, it happens a lot. And that's just the ones you notice. You know, how many times you go into breakfast and you grab your stuff and you start to eat, you really didn't pay attention to it. I think today, you can't, you'll never, you, I don't think you'll ever be able to get away with that again, and you shouldn't. See, we're talking about the restaurant segment here today, and that's great, and I love it. I, I love the conversation. But when you start thinking about how this impacts hotels, mm. how this impacts airlines, the cruise ship business, I don't know what's going to happen with all that. And then when you get into senior dining, uh, whether it be a senior, whether it be healthcare or senior living, then when you talk about business feeders, 
Sodexo, Aramark, those people that feel their cafeteria, canteen type operations, they're all going to have their separate protocols. But the one thing that is that is that we've talked about here today that's going to be consistent with it is that confidence of the guest and the optics of that, particularly in the early going, the early first few months, first couple times you, you know, cruise ship bookings, I understand are, are up believe it or not, because people are getting, first of all, there's deals going on, but people are willing to step back into that uh, in that travel mode. And that's good because that, that was a business that had been growing and a lot of ships are under construction and so on. But they're going to have to have much different protocols on board too when it comes to feeding, food and beverage both. And you know, one of the attractions for a lot of people uh, to take the cruises was the food service, those huge high quality buffets. So you know, I wonder when people finally get onto those ships again, and if those buffets don't exist, is this going to be as fun or as attractive as it once was for them? They'll find ways, I think. I don't know why. The buffet thing, I agree with everything we've been talking about. I just think that there's ways that you can – you're going to have to take the, the, the utensils of serving the food on the plate out of the guest hands. That's where you're going to have to stop. And then how many times have we been through a buffet of sorts where the food in a pan should have really been already replaced, whether it's – beans or some kind of a product which starting it's starting to show its age stop that that should never happen but conversely i mean if you take a look at ruby tuesdays i used to love to go there because i, I love their salad bar and of course it was pre-covona but one of the things that they were very good at is they they were very good at keeping that salad bar fresh and they advertised that all the time when the people would come and put a, a new full pan of salad or whatever it was that they were replacing they always wiped down around it they did a great job of keeping that thing again and that just gave you an impression it wasn't corona time it gave you an impression of, wow that's good they're doing a good job of keeping this thing neat and clean it was just good you know and they were just wiping it up tidying it up and it gave you a good feeling so i i, I think they'll be here it's just going to change like dave says the protocol is going to change yeah, I, th I think the, the one thing that uh, we could go on for hours talking about the different segments, and I, and I think that this has been a great discussion, but one thing I, I really feel good about and is that, number one, I know our industry is incredibly resilient. Number two is it's an incredibly creative, and to your point, Jay, I think that they whether you're a Vegas uh, casino or you're a cruise ship, whatever, you're going to figure it out. They're very creative and they're very innovative in terms of finding solutions. And man, some of the manufacturers, I have no doubt they're way down the road. Uh, buffet, buffetware people are already way down the road on figuring this out because we're not the first people to have this conversation, obviously. But so I'm very, very comfortable that the resilience, the creativity and the innovation of the people within this industry will make it succeed. Okay. Number two, the second point that I'm also equally confident is, is just what Greg said earlier. People are hardwired to connect. People want, human beings want to be with other human beings. So while carry out and take away and take it to your home and, and eat it from a restaurant, that will always be a part. And perhaps it's going to be a growing part. I don't know if it's profitable. It probably will. But people are still going to want to go out, share a drink with family and friends, have meals with family and friends, people you care about. It's the greatest time in all our lives. So I really think that th that thing is going to drive it. It's going to be slow at first. And that to that point, if you've been a fringy or a poor operator up to, up to now, you're probably not going to make it. And it's the same with manufacturers and suppliers. If you've been a poor or a fringe kind of a supplier and just going on the growth of the industry in general, it's probably not going to work out real well for you. But I think there's a lot of great products, a lot of great companies, a lot of, uh, a lot of people that can get through this and out the other side. And they'll be the people that lead us, both on the operator side and the supplier side. 
So great conversation today, guys. We've run a little long, but that's been good. And I do want to come back and I want to have a separate segment and another every other Thursday uh, podcast on this, that issue of buffets. Because I think that's a, that's a big and growing part, or was anyway, of our industry. And I want, to, I want to see where that goes. And maybe we can get a buffet person to join us on here. There's an opportunity to talk about products too, because there's all the products now, tabletop products, can now be seen in a different light you know, how they're being used, their perception, their need. It's a different story now than it was just 60 days ago. Yeah, you got that right. It's still going to be always about the guest experience too. I mean, let's let's face it. People aren't going out to eat for sustenance. They're going out for a great experience in a restaurant or a hotel or a cruise ship or a, or a casino, whatever the, whatever the forum is, it's still about the guest experience. So great job, guys. Listen, it's been great being with you. Thanks for joining us here on every other Thursday. I'm Dave Turner. And for Greg and for Jay, thanks again. God bless everybody. Be safe. Take care. This episode of Every Other Thursday has been brought to you by TabletopJournal.com. For more than eight years, Tabletop Journal has been raising the awareness of just how important Tabletop is to the overall guest dining experience. Using the hashtag Tabletop Matters, Tabletop Journals connected the kindred spirits of the hospitality world all around the globe. TabletopJournal.com, where we celebrate the products, the people, and the places all in the world of hospitality tabletop. Thanks for joining us today for this episode of Every Other Thursday. You can learn more about Every Other Thursday by visiting our website, EveryOtherThursdayPodcast.com.